Howdy, howdy do, Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 324. <laughs> oh, yes. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans. Welcome back to another week. This is the Big Blue Box Podcast, episode 324. Yeah. It comes around quick, doesn't it? (laughs) Hey. hey, Gary, how you doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, what we reviewing, Gary? <laughs> As if you didn't know from that, that little clue Brilliant there. impression. Yes. I've got an American-themed review later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say American-themed. Sorry, American, mm, American listeners. Yeah. Sorry. Well, we apologize on behalf of some some dreadful accents, it appears. Y- yes. So, yeah. Anyway, welcome back, everyone. I hope you've had <laughs> a cracking week. <laughs> I hope you've had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related. related. Oh, my God, Doctor. I hope you've done something Doctor Who related. <laughs> sound like, um, it's not, uh, it do you sound like? Sebby Sam. Is oh, yeah. yeah. Something old yeah, yeah, yeah. Warner Brothers cartoons, yeah. Or, or, or are we from the deep south? <laughs> or are we from the deep south? Who knows? <laughs> what? Walking. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hope you've had a cracking week. And that you listened to last week, obviously, because we're at the, yeah. nearly at the end of Torchwood. So if you didn't yeah. listen to last week, we reviewed Fragments, which was actually, we thought that was a very, very good story, that one. So go and check it that out. It was good, yeah. If you've not done it already, what did we give fragments, dude? We gave it an eight, eight, eight a piece. Yeah. yeah, it was all good. So we haven't really got much news to speak of this week. 
Uh, we have got a bit of a an event roundup. Adam's going to run down um, uh, what he was up to at the BFI at the weekend, mm. which sounds a lot less sinister than it sounds. <laughs> uh, before we crack on, though, uh, I just want to update everybody. So you may have seen on Twitter over the last few days or last week even that uh, one of the uh, actresses that appeared in Doctor Who uh, a while ago, uh, she was uh, her name is Tanya Fear and... Uh, she was in the Jodie um, episode, uh, I've forgotten. Was it Arachnids? Arachnids in the UK, yes. Yeah, I think it was, I don't know. That's correct, yeah. Uh, she's a really good supporting cast member anyway. She was, she's over in Los Angeles at the minute. She's doing, uh, I think she's doing a couple of acting roles there. Plus, she's also trying to break into sort of stand-up comedy as well. So she's doing some gigs and stuff over there at the minute. But mm-hmm. she quite worryingly went missing a few days ago. So nobody could get hold of her. Her phone wasn't working. She just vanished, essentially. So there was a lot of lo- loads of tweets doing arounds and so on. Anyway, you've probably know, but just to fill you in, she has been found. She's all good. So we don't know the situation. We don't really want to know the situation, to be honest with you. But the the police over there have said, you know, for privacy reasons, we're not going to disclose where she's been or why she went missing for a few days. But all we need to know is she's safe and sound and everything's cool. So uh, worry over. So she's been found, mm. so. That's all good. That's a strange one, isn't it? Anyway, yeah, it's good to hear she's safe and well. Yeah, that's good. So what did you get up to at the BFI then, dude? So the BFI, mate, um, Evil of the Dalit screening, uh, it was another great event. Um, but the biggest thing I'm taking away from it is is my relief at the animation. Because, um, you know, I think we've spoken about some of the previous releases, which have been a bit hit and miss. And um, I've often said to you that, like, the earlier animations like Invasion and Moonbase, I think, are really good. And yet we seem to have gone a bit, we seem to be getting more adventurous with the animation, but actually taking a step back. Like, I think it was Fury from the Deep that I struggled with a little bit. And I don't know, it's the figures, that you know, the characters start to like stick figures and stuff. And I was saying to you, the animation's not really doing it for me. Um, I'm really pleased to say that the, because <laughs> I was a bit worried, it was, it's even the Daleks is seven episodes. I know they've always got a strict budget and I know that the BBC, you know, they're often under time constraints because the BBC don't give them a lot of time to get these animations done. So I was thinking, God, is this going to be seven episodes of like a stick figure of the second doctor walk across the screen? Or is it going to be like um, Web of Fear? (laughs) You know, a lot of people said that was dreadful. It it wasn't that great. I'm really pleased to say it. And uh, not just because I saw it on the big screen. It's not sort of rose tinted glasses. The, animation is a huge step up uh from what we've had before they've really gone to town on it um they've used a lot of uh, a few model shots um but but then animated them so there's like a lot of movement in the animation which is i think the thing that has bugged me in previous animations i think it's fury that I, uh, there was a lot of static shots. Um, yeah, I always get yeah. confused between Fury and one of the other ones, but there was one of them that I just kept thinking, God, this is really, I'm struggling with this because there's loads of shots of, you know, nothing happening on the screen because it just looks like, you know, that they haven't got the animation to fill up what's going on. Um, in this one, it really flows well. That, As I said, they've really upped their game. Um, they had three of the animators on stage, or three of the people that worked on it anyway, on stage talking about it and they said the BBC actually gave them longer on this and it really showed. So I think they said they had a year or maybe a year and a half. I can't remember what they said. I think it was a year actually. That's still not a lot though. 
No, really? uh, it might have been a year and a half. Anyway, whatever it was, it, it's the longest time they've ever been given to do the animation. And uh, and it really shows. I, I mean, I, I genuinely wasn't bored at all because we watched the whole seven episodes. They showed us four. Then we had a little break and Marquez talked, come up on stage and talked about, the, you know, doing the audio work on it. And he does a great job, Marquez. Um, and then we watched the following three. And, yeah, it, it's just, I'm honestly very impressed with it. I think it's, it's by far the best recent release um, that we've had. So it was, yeah, it was brilliant. And it's a, it's a story that, although I've listened to the audio, so I knew it was a kind of a good story. And weirdly, <laughs> having watched... Daleks of Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks uh, last night, I, I suddenly noticed there's a few comparisons there, like the Daleks sort of um, wanting the human factor and all that. And I thought, oh, God, I've never really sort of put the two and two together. But but having listened to it on audio, I've never sort of, there's no sort no none of the humour has come through. Whereas watching it animated, there were scenes where, and this is the lovely thing about being in a cinema watching these things, we were all laughing at the same moments. And the animation has really brought stuff to life. That So on audio, I'm trying to think of an example, but so there's a bit where the, the doctor's sort of riding around on one of the Daleks, and you on the audio you sort of hear it and you kind of know what's going on. But with the animation, seeing the doctor sort of wobbling around, going, oh, no, and all that, it just seemed really <laughs> funny and, and just little scenes like that. So the animation's really brought this story to life. I'm, I'm very impressed with it. And I'm pleased to say that I, I genuinely was... I was looking forward to going, but I kept thinking, oh, if it's, you know, oh, is it going to be seven? Is it going to be a slog? <laughs> you know, is yeah. it going to be a slog to watch? And it wasn't at all. It was great. And obviously the meetup afterwards is good. Our roving reporter, um, Maria, was there. Oh, Maz. Uh, so she'll be, yep. yes, yeah, she managed to get a ticket and had a nice little drink for her in the bar afterwards. So uh, we were there representing the blue box and she'll be doing a full rundown of it and i'm really looking forward to seeing what maria thought i mean we obviously ch chatted about it so i know what she thinks but uh, yeah she'll be doing a very in-depth write-up of um of the event and uh, that should be really good um so yeah excellent mate obviously it comes out i think end of this month and um i think i, I think obviously there's always going to be someone that moans that's just not too random but i think the majority of people will be really pleased with this one i don't think they'll be disappointed it's a good story and they've, they've really put the work in yeah, it looked it looked great. I just want to quickly give a quick shout out to one of our listeners as well. So um, Clive Lewis, who listens to us regularly, um, heard that I was moaning about the fact I couldn't get any of the B and M sets. He very kindly grabbed me two of the new B and M sets and gave them to me at the screening. So I was uh, chuffed to bits with those. So thanks, thank you very much, Clive. Ah, that's cool. That. Yeah, yeah, uh, nice one. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Again, it was just a really nice moment at the event. So thank you very much for that. So all in all, it was a cracking day, absolutely cracking day. That sounds really good, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Your BFR, yeah. If you want to pick up either of the Daleks, um, as Adam said, it's out on the twenty seventh of September. It's only a week or so away, and the standard DVD is fifteen quid. The standard Blu-ray is just under twenty quid. Or if you want the Steelbook, that is on Amazon. It's twenty eight ninety nine. I think everywhere else it's thirty quid. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's coming out in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I've got that pre-order, dude. That's going to be a be a good one to watch, me thinks. Yeah, I, I, really, I think you like it, mate. The, the steelbook's lovely. Mm. I really like the artwork on the steelbook. On the steelbook, with yes. the big emperor Dalek. Yeah, yeah, cool. with the Tardis in front of it and some other Daleks. Yeah, it looks really cool, actually. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Whenever uh, I leave those events, I just just long <laughs> for the next one. That's the only thing. It's it's such a good day out and seeing other Who fans and stuff. But um, they did say, you know, we don't know what it is, but the guys on stage did say, well, we'll see you another one of these before the year's out. And we were like, whoa, everyone's in the audience. Whoa. So there's, there's definitely another one coming. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. guessing it's going to be whatever the next Blu-ray set is, which is heavily hinted to be Tom's season 17, I think. Uh, the one with City of Death and all that. So yeah. who knows? But um, who knows? But yeah, it's great if you can get tickets to those events. Yes. Yeah, I was going to ask you um, what you thought the next event there is going to be. It's, uh, so yeah, we... It, the thing with the with the anything from poetry onwards, I'm not saying it's easy, but they're kind. Everything's available, isn't it? From poetry onwards, pretty much yeah, all of yeah. the footage is there and everything like that. It's kind of a, you know, I'm not going to sell those guys short. It's a lot of work to get those box sets out, but mm. you know, it's a real challenge to do any of the Hartnell and Trout ones for obvious reasons. So if yeah. they put another Tom another fourth doctor one out then that's probably expected because it gives them a bit more breathing room while they're still i, I imagine they're still working on those early ones because if they want to bring every single classic season out or series out they're going to have to do them at some point mm. so i guess doing the ones where they've got all the footage there and just a bit of a clean up and stuff gives them a bit more breathing room but yeah that'd be awesome and uh, there's always a huge turnout isn't there for um I know for Doctor Who in general anyway at the BFI, but for some reason the Tom ones, it always draws a lot of cosplayers. There's so many people dressed yeah. as Tom and it's just a... So that'll be awesome actually if they do one of those for all the years out. I mean, I don't know. They'd have to step on it though because we're, what, we're halfway through September now. I know actually. It just suddenly dawned on me this year is all is absolutely flying by actually. That's a good point. That Hopefully that means we'll get an announcement soon. Uh, yeah that would be cool yeah yeah those events are always so popular as well that's the only thing like anything you have to be well it's all almost you have to be like a member to get tickets now it's it's they, they sell out so quickly um and of course we don't even have the restrictions in anymore so the the place was full whereas the event i went to before this what was it Dragonfire? Mm. well it's when we still had restrictions so every couple of seats were taken out so you were spaced out which which halved the sort of capacity but this one um there was none of that it was full capacity and um it still sold out i think before it went on general sale so these events have become really popular and un- you can mm. understand why but uh, yeah it can be a bit frustrating if you don't get a ticket but don't give up because i mean I, even the night before they were releasing you know they released a couple more tickets you know so there's, there's always a chance it's just annoying you have to keep constantly checking to, to yeah. see if there's any available yeah but it's yep. worth it honestly it's such a good day out yeah and the management over at the BFI, we know you listen every week. It'd be awesome if you if you trickled a little bit more money into the old online, whatever system you use to handle your bookings, if you could change it out or upgrade it. There was a BFI got their asses kicked massively over the last two days. Did they? They had so many members just leave. Yeah, because um, there's a big event that happens, uh, London Film Festival. Yeah. Really big event. And uh, their booking system just... Yeah, it just crashed, booted people out. Everybody missed out on tickets, and it, it was an all, it was a disaster, mate. So, oh, I um, didn't hear about that. Yeah, yeah, about it was about like a thousand, thousands of tweets where everyone was like, "I'm done with this." Every year, it's the same, and your booking system's awful. We don't know what's happening with ticket. It's just awful, mate. So, if you guys could just um, feed a little, <laughs> little bit of money into uh, whatever you use for your booking system, that'd be good. 
Yeah. I, I only have, I mean, I've apart from the difficulty getting tickets, I only have one complaint about the BFI and that, and it's not really the BFI, I don't think, but it's their bar staff are incredibly rude. <laughs> That's the only thing I've, I've started saying, I think I'm going to, after the screening, we normally go to the lovely bar. They've got sort of a couple of nice bars in there, but this bar staff are so rude. I said, actually, I think I'm going to just go and find somewhere else to drink afterwards. Cause yeah, they're just really grumpy. And, mm. um, they added service charge onto my drinks uh, without even asking. I realised after I'd paid uh, stuff like that, and I went back and said, "Oh, is that right?" You know, so I don't know. I, yeah, but yeah. Quibbles aside, it's a it's a lovely place to go, and the people who run the screen is great. Um, I don't know who runs the bars. So I think it's a separate <laughs> thing. But yeah, yeah. Overall, though, it's a it's a very cool day. So oh, it is. It's great. It's just cool to hang out with so many Who fans. Yes, yeah. and as always, we always say. You know, if you can get tickets, if you've not been before and you're sort of um and and you're like, mm, I'm not sure, just do it. Just book your ticket, get into London. It's a really, really cool day. Very, very cool. And yeah. uh, there's two, obviously the two main elements that make it awesome. The first one is just there's something about watching classic Who in the cinema is just awesome. I think it's just the energy that's in there and watching it with everyone else. And then secondly, getting to hang out afterwards, catching up with people that you only talk to online or whatever. It's all good. Exactly, mate. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Look forward to Maria's uh, write-up. I bet yes, she's yeah. scribbling away as we speak. Yeah, <laughs> she's hard work, old Maria. She has a yeah really busy, hectic day job, and she still manages to write for us. So, yeah. yeah. Good old lass. Shouldn't say old. Good lass, Maria. Yeah, she's very nice. <laughs> oh, you'll be getting a slap next oh, time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, before we move on to our review... Remember to follow our show, whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on. Uh, if you're if you just discovered our show, awesome! Thank you for for joining us. Welcome aboard the TARDIS. Make sure you follow us so you won't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. Those of you that have come back, the old grizzled ancients, welcome back. It's good to have you here. Uh, head over to the website, which is www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our episodes over there as well. Listen to all of our stuff is free, by the way. There's no nothing's behind a paywall anything like that you can listen to everything for free uh, on the website there's also the really cool articles from our writing team so check those out we had a couple of reviews that landed this week so go and check those out we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook links on the website and we have a free discord server as well so go and sign up to that come and hang out and talk loads of different subjects about doctor who over there also check out adam's channel my co-host over on youtube his name over there is the geeks handbag Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. The Geeks handbag, lots of Doctor Who vids. It's all Doctor Who merch. All the all the stuff I go out and spend money on. <laughs> go and have a look. I do reviews of it and stuff. So yes, the Geeks handbag. Yes, go and check him out. Right, dude. What do we got for review? What have we got for review this week? <laughs> so this week it's the tenth Doctor two-parter, Daleks in Manhattan, and evolution of the Daleks. Start spreading the news. Depression, sweetie. Your heart might break, but the show goes on. I want to be a part of it. New York. New York. Hey! Men going missing, is this true? They vanish into thin air. 
What the hell was that? Doctor. Oh! On yourselves! Come on! Who are we working for? Hands in the air and no funny business. Where's Martha? Humans will become like me. Prepare them for hybridization. Daleks are bad enough at any time, but right now they're vulnerable. That makes them more dangerous than ever. Gotta get everyone out. Hooverville's the lowest place a man can fall. There's nowhere else to go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a creepy old trailer, isn't it? Yeah, creepy one, that. Right. Mm. So the two-parter then, Daleks in Manhattan, Evolution of the Daleks. The first part was first broadcast back on the 21st of April, back in 2007. And then a week later, on the 28th of April, part two came out. It was written by Helen Rayner, directed by James Strong. Stars David Tennant and Freeman Ageman as the Doctor and Martha. And then a pretty sizable um, supporting cast. And the synopsis is... During the building of the Empire State Building in the 30s, New York City, the cult of Scaro continues their attempts to destroy humanity and reign supreme uh, as a new Dalek Empire rises. Uh, the Tenth Doctor receives help from an unlikely ally. Hmm. Hmm. So, Adam, what <laughs> what do you think to this two-part, dude? It's so, you know, it's so hard not to to do impressions throughout this whole story because the thing is they do really stand out actually i think it's one of the it's one of the things that's just quite distracted in this two-parter is the dodgy american accents and they're by you know they're nearly as bad as ours but um but no overall so i i really like series three um i think it's a good good series but this is a two-parter that um uh, never really stood out to me uh, certainly not at the time anyway i when when i watched it when it went out I remember thinking it was good and, you know, it kind of drifted along, but it, it never, it's never one that I sort of gravitate towards to rewatch very often. Um, so I was quite pleasantly surprised by this when I watched it last night. Uh, I wasn't really expecting to particularly like it. I thought, I thought it was just, you know, I'd put it on. I thought, yeah, it's okay, this one. But I actually found myself getting quite drawn into the story. And while the accents are quite annoying, because they're, they're just, they're not quite right, especially. What's her name? The kids toy. Hey, doctor. Especially. Oh her. my god. Oh my god. She's uh, she becomes really <laughs> annoying. But I think if I took take that away, I actually quite like this story. It's um it's grown on me uh, on a rewatch. This one. Um, yeah, I, I just think it, there's some good stuff going on, and I'd I'd forgotten how good the Daleks are in it. They're actually quite scary and menacing in it. Um, the slave pigs. <laughs> I always, in my mind, think they're terrible. I always, thought, I think, I remember sort of thinking, "God, oh, they are so bad." But do you know what? When I watched it again last night, I thought they're they're actually quite scary, and the makeup's pretty good. They're 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 much better than I remember them being. I, I really haven't watched this two part for quite some time as well. So I was looking at a lot of things, you know, fresh in you know with a fresh sense of eyes, if you like. I thought the cast were pretty good, accents aside. I thought Tennant was great. He really gives um, some, there's some good 10th Doctor moments in it. You know, like when he's telling the Daleks to shoot him and finish him off and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, he gets he gets some good scenes and uh, Tennant 
gives gives sort of ten out of ten. You know, really goes for the in those particular scenes. It looks pretty good. Some of the effects are a bit dated. I think the worst sort of uh, culprit is probably the Daleks flying around. That uh, doesn't look very good now, unfortunately. Some of the CGI is a bit dodgy. Hasn't quite stood the test of time. But uh, overall, just to sort of sum up, I think it's a, a, a quite a good two-parter. It has got its faults, um, but at the end of the day, I, I found it a, a good watch. I, I just enjoyed it, or despite any sort of little niggles I had with it. Um, it was definitely better than I remembered. And, uh, yeah, it's gone up in my estimations a little bit. And I love it when that happens. I really like it when I go back and see a story that I didn't particularly grab me at the time. And then I see something in it that sort of makes you think, actually, this is this is pretty good. Um, so, yeah, overall, I, I thought it was quite a good one. I quite enjoyed this one. I like I like the whole idea of it. Uh, it may not have quite pulled it quite off, but I thought it was a good good story. Yeah. From Helena Rayner. Yeah. So it's a thumbs up. It's not it's not it's not a classic, but I, I liked it. Why do you reckon, Gary? What hell got it? Why do you reckon, Gary? <laughs> I'll stop now, sorry. Oh, dear, 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 dearie, dearie, dearie. Oh, no. Because you love the 10th Doctor. Surely we haven't found one you don't like. Don't like this one, mate. Oh, no. No. Boom. Crash. I will admit, though, I have wobbled a lot on this one. Mm. I think I've seen this maybe over the years. I've probably seen this around. This is probably the fifth time I've watched it, maybe fourth or fifth time. It's really oh, okay. weird because, it more than me. Yeah, every time I watch it, I kind of go from one side of the pitch to the other. Like sometimes I watch it and I'm like, ah, oh, it's actually, I know it's not, it's, this doesn't matter anyway, but it doesn't appear very high on anyone's list. And I can understand why, but I still like it. And then I watch it again and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty bad. And then watch it, you know, flip between it. But when mm. I rewatched this, I watched this yesterday, both parts back to back. And yeah, dude, I just, it, it it's almost like it's trying really hard to do something interesting with the Daleks and stuff. And don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, I really love the whole the the cult of Scarrow. I love that idea, that concept. You know, the 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 ordinary Daleks that were plucked out of their normal run and they were given this task of thinking differently to try and think like their enemies do and just have this kind of top secret sort of you know band of Daleks. It's got that really cool got coolness to it which i love Mm. and um it's just for me personally it just gets it just gets ruined like their whole like they should be this um and they are for the most part this kind of really cool almost renegade kind of mythic kind of band like the like in terms of the doctor's point of view anyway he just thought that the cult of scarrow was a myth he didn't believe that Mm. there was these actual daleks that were doing this stuff and this story sort of takes away their their credibility, if you like, because for one, they just get defeated way, too, way too easy. Like a walk in the park, mm. a walk in Central Park for the Doctor and the other dudes. And also, uh, it's just the the realization. So you know when Dalek Sec decides to experiment on himself. Yeah. And he becomes the hybrid human Dalek dude. Is it Sausage Ed? Yeah. Sausage, yeah. The um the other Daleks, so Dalek Khan and whoever, they they recognise that something's not right. They can immediately tell that, you know, he's too soft, he's too forgiving, you know, he's got too much human, you know. But it and they 
it, it all happens just too late in the story, I think is the point I'm trying to make. So we have all this sort of fluffing around with, mm. with the pig people legging around and the the Hooverville thing in Central Park and and that stuff. Um, and it's the, the, to me, that's all it is. It's just fluff. It's just kind of stuff that's happening of no real consequence. And it's mm. not until um, as we get into sort of halfway into part two, which by then the story is nearly done, that then the Daleks kind of get interesting and the three of them kind of realise that actually our our leader's just, you know, he's blown it <laughs> sort of thing. He's, you know, it's it's gone. And th- there's a couple of good bits like when they when they kill him and the Doctor's mm. like, you know, he's outraged. He's like, you know, how could you, you know, the one sort of person that could have led the Daleks to a, you know, a, a better place sort of thing. You, yeah. You know, so that, but that all happens in the last 15 minutes up until that point, we've had a whole, what, 50, 60 minutes at that point. And, uh, yeah. So for me, dude, the, 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 the first two thirds of both parts are just, nothing, just nothing's really happening. That's the point for me. It's just a little bit of to in and throw in a bit of exploring, you know, What's going on it's, with the, you know, and then the last sort of third, it really picks up. But then by the time it's picked up and it gets interesting, the story's then done. And you think, oh, okay, that should have happened. Like that stuff should have happened at the beginning of part two. The cliffhanger should have mm. been Dalek Sek being killed. That should have been the cliffhanger to part one. And then the second part is the big showdown. How are they going to defeat the Daleks who are now back to their original, well, not original, but they're back to their right. We've got rid of the dude that's gone soft now we're going to sort of carry on with the plan and how do they defeat those three. So hope I'm making sense. It just climaxes too late. And by that point I was, I was just swiping through Instagram by that point. You'd lost interest. Yeah. I was going to say, actually, I do, I do hear you. Um, I think that's the thing the whole of part one is all designed just for the build up to the cliffhanger, isn't it? That's all that, yeah. that's all that part one's really doing, isn't it? It's just building up to that cliffhanger. Um, the reveal of uh, Dalek, human Dalek sec or whatever. Um, yeah, I do get what, <laughs> yeah, sausage I do understand what you're saying because I think this is how I felt. I think I felt like you're, you're feeling the first time I watched this, which is why I wasn't expecting to like it particularly. I think this is exactly how I felt. That it was just a lot of, I remember thinking it was slow when I, very, you know, when this aired back in 2007, I remember it didn't grip me at all. This story, I, I was sort of watching it, but it, yeah, like you said, there was a lot of fluff, a lot of just wandering around. Um, so that's why I wasn't expecting to sort of enjoy it as much as I did when I rewatched it last night. But what's interesting is the way you said you flipped between liking it and not liking it. Because although I enjoyed it a lot, actually, last night, I have a feeling that if I was to watch it again in a couple of weeks, I may find myself feeling like you <laughs> and, and being a bit bored. Because I think one of the reasons I enjoyed this as much as I did last night, is because I haven't watched it in so long that I kind of, and, and I've said this before, when we do a review, I kind of force myself to really watch the story. Like if I'm just watching something for pleasure, most of the time I will have watched this, ep- you know, whatever episode I'm watching a few times. So I don't really need to sit there and intently watch it and try and understand every little thing that's going on. Cause I've seen it loads of times and I'm, I'm just watching it for enjoyment and I'll be on my phone and I know what's coming up anyway. So I don't really need to watch the screen when I do, a re- when we're doing a review, I do tend to sort of 
you know, really try and get into the story, try and understand it and, and watch it. And I think it does make a difference because I, you know, sort of pick up on things that I haven't picked up on before. But again, I have a feeling that that's one of the reasons I enjoyed this because I haven't seen it in so long. And I did sort of watch it properly and I thought, oh, okay, yes, yeah, it's, it's not as bad as I remembered. But if I was to just put it on again in a couple of weeks for pleasure, I might find myself getting bored. So I, I think I, I get where you're coming from in that sense. It is one of those stories where it is a bit ploddy. It, it doesn't really hold together too well, but it's got nice moments and it's got nice ideas. And um, yeah, I think if to sort of put it in, a, in this sense, I think if you're in the right mood for it, it's quite a good watch. But maybe that's the thing. It's just because it's not great but it has got good moments. I think it's one of those stories, isn't it? If you're in the right mood, you'll probably quite like this one and you'll probably yeah, find the yeah. accents funny and, you know, you can go along with it. But yeah, it's not one you're going to say, oh, this is a cracking two-part. You've got to watch this, you know, wait till this bit happens. And oh, Matt, do you remember that? But it's not one of those stories, is it? Uh, hmm. I think it's an, a fine watch, but yeah, it's, it is missing that little spark. So I do understand <laughs> where, where you're coming from. It's a fine watch. It's a foul. Mr. Darker. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those ones we have on in the background. If like you're doing some housework, you're moseying around <laughs> and you've just put the box set on or you've got iPlayer on and you're just, you've got it on, you know, automatically play the next story yeah. and it comes on. It's not one of those stories where you'll stop everything, sit down to watch it. It will just be on in the background as you're doing the ironing or, you know, whatever it is you're doing. So yeah, that's to me, it's one of those background stories for me i wouldn't stop what i'm doing mm. like i've got to go dialects in manhattan's just come on i'll call <laughs> you you know it's not one of those um no. type of stories but it's not terrible don't get me wrong it's not um it's, it's not, not bad it's not a terrible story at all it's it's just um my personal enjoyment of it is just i just can't get into it because i feel like they missed an opportunity to really yeah. hammer home the whole the Dalek thing, because we have to remember that this is the first time in the new series that the word or the planet Scaro has been mentioned at all. Is it? Oh, right. Okay. Didn't know that. Yeah. So the last mm. time that we heard a mention of the words of the planet Scaro was the TV movie. That's the last time. So it's the first time that we've heard Scaro, the first time that we've seen these, um, you know, the cult of Scaro pop up. I think it's the first time. We've seen them. Is it the first I think time? It, I think it, it must is, be. yeah. Yeah, it must be, yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's also a bit of a double-edged sword because Stephen Moffat was meant to write this. Was he? Yeah. So this was meant to be a Moff story. Oh, I didn't know that. And he had to pull out because at the time he was writing, I didn't see it, but he was writing a show called Jekyll. Have you heard of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with, um, I've forgotten. Yes, I, I haven't seen it, but I know the series yeah yeah so um so he said like i can't do it because i've you know i'm full up you know doing this jekyll program <laughs> so instead he said but you know in the x amount number of months or whatever i'll be free i can write you a a simple story then and that story ended up being blink oh right so if we it's a double-edged sword because i think if the moth had written this one it might have is nothing to take away from um helen from Rainer. helen rayner Helen Rayner, it's like I said, it's not a terrible story, but we might have got something a little bit more uh, Moffat, if that makes sense, quote unquote, a bit more Moffat. But if we'd have got a better story here, we wouldn't have got Blink. 
So, mm. you know, it's a, a bit of a swings and roundabouts thing, but. God, it um, probably would have been like going back and forth from 1930s to mm. present day to Gallifrey. Oh, who knows what the Moffat would have done? I reckon it would have been timey wimey. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Imagine. What um, do you think of the Cult of Scarrow thing, though? Do you like do you like that idea? Because yeah, I, I, I quite like it. this yeah. idea of these sort of Daleks. They've almost got personalities, haven't they? They're quite. The reason I like it is because it makes the Daleks quite intelligent. I think mm-hmm. they, they're actually quite, and it may, and by them being intelligent, makes them quite sinister because there's no sort of, you know, like sometimes when they throw a blanket over it and it can't see it and it just oh, oh just wobbles around. And you're like, oh, Daleks are rubbish. These Daleks, I think, are quite st- scary because they're not they're not idiots. You know, yeah, they they know yeah. what's going on, and I think they're quite sinister in this. So I, I I quite like it. I like the one that's got the battle damage. The bat is that Dalek Thay. Thay, yeah. He's got the battle damage. I like that one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I quite like this idea. Yeah. No, and no, I absolutely love the idea, mate. I think it's one of the really because the the ah uh, the, the Daleks are very very cool. Let's let's not argue on that point. The Daleks are very cool, obviously very prominent uh, baddie within the world of Doctor Who, and um, sometimes they can feel a little bit like stormtroopers, though, from Star Wars, where you just see hundreds and thousands upon thousands of them. And there's only a couple that really stand out, you know, wherever that be, whether that might be um, uh, Davros in some respect, or it might be the Emperor Dalek in some stories, or whatever it might be. Um, so it, I love it when there's um, when there's a, either a singular Dalek, which is why the Eccleston story Dalek is so strong. Mm-hmm. It's because it's not dealing with a fleet of Daleks, you know, and you just have the usual echo of exterminate throughout the skies and you know and that's it you're dealing with a singular uh, thing so the cult of scaro these small band of of dudes it's um it's a very very cool concept and like you said it's almost like they've got their own individual personalities and they're mm. you know they've been tasked with you know developing you sort of unorthodox ideas and strategies so that they can you know report back and you know the rest of the Dalek army or fleet can can then conquer whatever it is they're doing. Um, and we do get some, so we do see one of them again, don't we? So we see um, we see Dalek Khan. He pops up at the end of um, he pops up in Stolen Earth slash Journey's End, doesn't he? With Davros, he's yeah. the one that um, he's the one that sort of peered into mad. the yeah. So at the Time War or the last Great Time War, as they talk about it. He rescued Davros from from the Time War, um, but as he was uh, rescuing Davros, he um, he 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 what was he looking to the Time Vortex or something like that? So it turns him a bit doolally. So we yeah. do see him. We do see one of them pop up again, but um, that must be in terms of timey wiminess. That must be this story must have taken place after Journey's End. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a brain melt, though. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. at the end of this story, after they've killed Dalek Sek and the Doctor loses his, his beep because they assassinated their own one of their own, there's mm. that huge shootout at the end, isn't there, between the the hybrid humans the, you know, and those guys. They all get wiped out. Yeah. So, yeah, a bit of timey-wimeness. But to answer your question, yeah, the Cult of Scaro, I think, is a great idea. I really like it. I which like is it, why, yeah. Which is why I find this story a bit frustrating, because uh, the, the the build-up is not huge, because that the, the guy that's running the, the building site for the Empire State Building, you know, the one that ends up being 
the hybrid dialect set. Yeah. Um, uh, he does reveal them relatively early on. I think the foreman, he's like, why are we doing this? We're, we're on schedule and stuff like that. He's like, yeah, we need it quicker. And he's like, well, you'll have to answer to the big boss sort of thing. And he comes out the lift and everything. So that's not too bad. But it's frustrating because they didn't do more with that early on. So, But I do like the whole cult, cult of Scarrow thing. Yeah. What do you think to um, old Dalek set when he turns into the <laughs> Dalek hybrid? Because I, I remember, I think that's one of the things I didn't like the first time I watched this. I was like, what is that? And it cracks me up that he's still wearing his suit. <laughs> I just, it's like comes out in this immaculate suit. Well, actually, it's not immaculate, but he comes out in this suit. Um, it, it actually worked better for me on a rewatch last night. I kind of liked it to an extent. Because uh, I did feel a bit sorry for him when he's being all... He's trying to do his best. <laughs> and then they drag him out on stage, and he's he's like their pet. He's just, you know, he's gone from being, you know, the ultimate Dalek sec leader to this poor old, almost like a scavenger dog that they're just, <laughs> you know... Really, so, I don't know, it, it works better for me on a rewatch, but I remember not liking the Dalek hybrid thing at all uh, when this first went out. I think the Radio Times, if I remember rightly... <laughs> completely ruined the surprise because I think they put a picture of him if I'm remembering right I think they put a picture of Dalek hybrid on the front cover before the episode went out they ruined um, it kind of yeah, yeah they ruined the cliffhanger <laughs> I think I'm right in saying that anyway, yeah, that's did. how I remember it yeah yep. um but what do you think of that that thing because it today the look of it and the suit and the sausage sausage sort of legs whatever they are mm. it's a bit weird I don't know I, I but as I said it, it worked better last night when I rewatched it but I don't know. Not sure about that. I like the idea of it, but I'm not sure about the realization. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just not. It's not executed very well, is it? The design's not great because no. it just look. I guess there's two ways they could go with that. One way would be to make him look really scary looking, which probably would have suited the story better. Uh, the other way, which I think they went with, to make him look a bit more approachable a bit more friendly because because of his personality now where he wants to save life it seems and you know preserve rather than destroy uh, i think the look kind of from a visual point of view is is in that direction as well so he just looks really funny that's the problem he just looks yeah really <laughs> comical like this singular eye and um the way they've done the, the, the prosthetics around his mouth and stuff he just constantly looks like a like he's grinning, uh, even though he's not. He's just talking normally. The way the makeup's been done, he's looked like the Joker from Batman, sort of this big grin kind of thing. And these weird sausage, like you said, the the little tentacle yeah, things that look like weird. sausages. Yeah. So it's not the best. Um, it's just not the best execution of what that could have looked like. It it could have he could have been a bit more of a disfigured. So even though the the um the experiment was a success in that you know, the two beings, you know, became one thing. It could have been a bit rough around the edges where this is the first one, the first, you know, it's the first, the first, um, the first pancake is always the test one. It's the best way to put it. So he could have been a bit rough around the edges and, you know, maybe his eye was a bit slopey and, you know, his head was a weird shape and some of the tentacles were longer than others. And he was just a bit, um, yeah, he was just a bit too clean cut and, perfect yeah. for the first one but not bad but it, it, it just looks more comical than it does the intent i think 
Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that would have been much better if he, actually if they'd have made him look a bit bit more thing. But I think what they're going for because we're supposed to be we're supposed to feel sorry for him at the end, aren't we? Really, it's like we yes. see in him what yeah. the doctor sees that he's you know there's actually a a spark of hope for the Daleks in in Dalek hybrid sec. Um, so I think they're trying to make him sort of a cross between being scary and also likable. I reckon, but I know what you mean. I don't think it, they quite pulled it off. But uh, I, I think that's why he looks like he does. He's, he's sort of supposed to be scary, but not scary enough to be unloved. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, the yeah. face that only a mother could love sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do feel sorry for him at the end, though. He's, yeah. Uh, like you said, when he gets, um, like, paraded out in the chains and stuff, and the doctor's sort of come round a bit as well. You know, at first he was a bit... You know, this is an abomination kind of thing. What have you done? And then by the end, he's like, actually, this dude's probably got his head on a bit straighter than the other Daleks. He's got that sort of the human side of him as as has got a contribution into his plan, not just the Dalek side. So, I, th- I think the crux of it was, is that the Daleks wanted to improve themselves for longevity. They can't just survive as the four of them. So mm. they just want to, you know, turn the rest of the planet into hybrids and stuff the hybridization process i think is what they call it that's the other bit actually that i think they could have built up a bit more you know like you were saying about how nothing really happens in part one and then part two kind of we have that quick wrap-up um this whole thing about all these humans or whatever that they've got hanging above the ceiling um they could have sort of built that because it that only really comes into it right at the end we suddenly see them lowered down and maybe i missed it but i didn't even realize they'd got all that stuff up there like it's just like oh yeah by the way we've got all these humans and um, they're just kind of empty carcasses waiting to be filled and oh right but I didn't really sort of you know I didn't really get that till right at the end like I thought the doctor could have at least looked up and thought hang on what are all these what's up here in part one because he's been in that room a few times isn't he oh yeah he yeah, doesn't yeah. notice all yeah. the millions of beds hanging above the ceiling so I think that part of the story could have been built up a little bit. Yeah, true. Yeah, that was a bit of a late reveal, wasn't it? It was. Um, yeah, it just seemed a bit of an afterthought. That. Yeah, yeah, but that goes back to what I was saying about stuff. Should I, I feel like stuff should have been, like part one for me feels very ploddy, mm. and feels like it's probably intentionally a setup to what's going to happen in part two. Yeah. So let's lay the story foundations, and then in part two, we'll um you know all hell break loose. But I do feel like they they should have revealed some of that stuff earlier and built up to a much bigger cliffhanger at the end of part one. Hmm. And then it would have been the all out, maybe do a bit of the old classic who in part two, you know, a bit of the old um, escape and capture. <laughs> yeah. That would have been yeah. cool. Yeah. The thing um, is we're, we're in, um, we're in series three now and Doctor Who's kind of at this time, 2007, we're kind of peak Doctor Who tenants, really popular, you know, it's, uh, it's it's on a high at this point, and it's probably got a fairly good budget for the time. Did you feel like they managed to ca- encapsulate, did it feel like they were in New York to you? Because uh, apart from a few establishing shots, and, and a quite a good, uh, they do quite a good job of when the Doctor and Martha first land. I mean, they've mixed two shots together there. Uh, I think they get away with it. I didn't really think anything of <laughs> it at first. It's, it's only really when you see the Doctor and Martha looking towards sort of New York, you think, oh, well, they're clearly not there, um, which they weren't. I mean, they, they never got to go to New York. So 
most of this is sort of set in a park and we do get some establishing shots of New York, but it didn't, it didn't really th- feel like we we're in 1930s New York to me, apart from the dodgy accents. Um, <laughs> so they yeah. keep it very contained. It's all, it's mostly in the sewers. We don't, you know, we see a couple of high shots of New York, uh, of Manhattan, sorry. So yeah, but did it feel like they had, they'd managed to do that on the budget or did, did it still feel like it was a park in Cardiff with a few tents in it? Uh, yeah, I think for the most part, I, I was bought into that just yeah. because those establishing shots were fairly that it's not dated incredibly well, but no. you can kind of see, you know, what they were going for. And it, the, the effect was quite good of, of the empire state building, ha- having all the scaffolding around it. It's not finished yet. And yeah. they've obviously removed other than the Chrysler building, all of the other big skyscrapers. So it does look like sort of old school, um, New York and stuff, but uh, they they just weren't they they weren't blessed with sort of a bit of extra money and and location and stuff because if we think to uh, what's the story uh, the angels take Manhattan mm. you know we've they're actually there yeah, they're yeah. actually sitting in Central Park and you can yeah. tell especially if you've been to Central Park you can tell immediately that that's not a set or green screen they're mm. actually there uh, and doing that stuff so uh, I was. I was kind of. They did do some location stuff in New York. They were there, but it just wasn't really. They didn't. Maybe it's just a production limitation at the time. I'm not sure. It just didn't really feel like it. You absolutely felt like okay. Most of it was Cardiff. Most of it was a set. The odd little bit was New York. So mm. it was done fairly well. I, was, I, I bought into it from that perspective. Establishing shots were were fairly decent. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, no, I, yes and no, really. I, um, I don't know. I thought the budget constraints showed a little bit. As I said, I don't think some bits looked have dated that particularly well. Um, but I think it, overall, like, it worked. I think the, the theatre setting helps because um, yeah, just the style of it and, and the music and everything. I liked all that stuff. You know, I, I think it's better just to try and stay away from doing all the sort of CGI shots and just stick to, to those bits which sell the idea that they're in that time time zone mm. rather than uh, than trying to show it physically. So, yeah, I kind of I, I bought into it enough to it not bother me. That song appears again, doesn't yeah. it, at the end of, you know, um, the end of time. Oh, yeah. You know, when Jack I, goes I into the bar. Before. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think yes. it's called <laughs> An Angel Put the Devil in Me or something. That's it. Something yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah. Yeah, I think Murray was having fun with this one. I think Murray enjoyed, the music was good. Uh, I think Murray enjoyed putting that sort of 1930s slant on it. Yeah, you know? and it suits Captain Jack's character perfectly, that song yeah. as well. When That was a stroke of genius, writing it for the, you know, the scene where Tallulah's on stage and she's doing that song and stuff. It works well with this. It's kind of that old jazzy, bluesy kind of number. Yeah, but then reusing it later on for Jack in that bar—that was genius because that fits really well. Mm. And you're right, Murray Gold did have a, but that this is when when Who was like had that big kind of um, combination of various themes and motifs for individual characters mixed in with some of those big, big bombastic moments of. You know, this was before the whole I am the Doctor theme running away all the time, which is yeah. good in and itself. But this was more the, um, yeah, combination of those things. Um, 
the the Dalek theme's good, isn't it? It's it, awesome. It, yeah, that that's that choral bit, not the um, not, I don't know what. Boom, boom, boom. Not no, that not one. Not that bit. No, no, the... no. It's like when they when they're all when it's all kicking off. There's mm-hmm. like this this choral. Duh, I, I don't know. I can't do it. But it's really good theme, and it really oh, it does send a bit of a shiver down your spine. I mean, yeah, some of the themes that Murray comes up with in this. There's also some, a great. I loved the scene when the Doctor saves poor old Laszlo as well. Because uh, I I thought Laszlo died, <laughs> I was convinced. I thought, oh, poor old Laszlo, he'll, he's going to die in a minute. And there's a bit at the end, there, isn't he, where the doctor's like, "No one else dies." Do this shouty <laughs> thing. No one else dies today. He's like, "The doctor is in," and all this. And there's a great sort of musical thing going on behind that scene. And it really, for me, again, it was one of those moments. I think I've just totally overlooked up to now, but I loved that that scene when he saves Laszlo, and it's like. To me, that's Tennant just being on fire, just like really into the moment. You know, he's not going to die again. Because I, I was starting to feel sorry for him because it's like Laszlo's dying, but the doctor's way too busy to help him at the end, isn't he? It's like, oh, not now. Sorry, guys, I've got to save, you know, I've got to defeat the Daleks. So I have to worry about Laszlo later. And I thought, poor old Laszlo. But then, yeah, but then the doctor does when he gets a chance, does save him, doesn't he? Which I thought was, I just thought it was a really nice scene. I loved all that. Yeah. I was getting worried about Martha because I really like Martha as a character. But um, coming back to what you were saying about part one, where it's a bit ploddy, I was thinking to myself, Martha's not being given a lot to do in this story. She she looks, she's starting to look a bit bored. She's like, you know, she's chatting to a few of the villagers in Hooverville. She's... Mm chatting to Tallulah about her relationship woes, which, you know, again, is, is a bit boring. Um, so I was getting a bit worried that Martha was, you know, given very little to do. But then the second part, she does come into her own, thank mm. goodness, when she starts doing, she works out how she's going to defeat the pigmen coming up by using the electricity that's about to strike. I was like, oh, that's good. You know, so she does actually come good in the end. And I'm glad they gave her something to do. But yeah, I was a bit, I was beginning to think she was being a bit wasted in this story for the first half, to be honest. And also, the doctor just leaves her to get savage. Thank God she's got, a, <laughs> thank God she's you know got a brain on her because I, I think Martha's a, a great companion, very underrated, I think. So yeah, but I did think like the doctor has just left her to be. He's like, well, you're gonna have to fight. Yeah, and I'm she off. would have got torn to pieces, wouldn't she, if she hadn't just suddenly realised that? Yeah. Hang on a minute, I can do this and electrocute them all so yeah but for the first part she gets very little to do and there is there is a couple of scenes where she's uh like you know she's telling to lula about her love for the doctor and all that so anybody who doesn't like that particular part of um series three is going to be groaning because there's a couple of it's not just one i think there's two scenes where she's really sort of fawning over the doctor isn't there oh he doesn't know it's me and sometimes i think he's he lost his companion and he looks at me, but he's seeing her and there's a couple of scenes like that. And I thought, I don't mind it, but I know a lot of people just hate that side of the Martha doctor companionship. And I think they would have been really groaning at some of those scenes, mm-hmm. which I do get. I mean, it's, you do feel like saying, come on, pull yourself together. But, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, I read you dude. Yeah. Normally, cause Martha's a really good character, but we're fans of Martha on the show. And, um, I just yeah. don't think it's her best story. It's not not her best. Exactly that. Yeah, it's uh, she's yeah. had better stories. She does pick yeah. up a bit for her, like you said in the second part. But uh, talking of the electricity stuff, mm. what do you think of the scene where the Doctor's up on the spire and he gets <laughs> struck by lightning and stuff? Because that adds to the 
that adds to the twist at the end, doesn't it? Where yeah, uh, all of those people that the Daleks think are now just you know, uh, you know, their intentions are hundred percent Dalek. They're just in human bodies. The mm. Doctor reveals that because he was in between the process, if you like, some Time Lord DNA had trickled through, and um, you know, just enough bit of Time Lord DNA, just enough. Yeah, um, uh, didn't like that, dude. You didn't like it? No. Oh, okay. How no, come? Because uh, it wasn't dark enough for me. <laughs> for me, yeah, I think. What do you mean? What, what I mean is, it should you have want just mass been murder. It should have just been a massacre, right? It, it right. should have just been a problem with the experiment. It should have just been something's gone awry with the experiment. The DNA, um, uh, the amount of human versus Dalek DNA, whatever it is, is un- unbalanced. The humans, these dudes, are just going completely berserk. Uh, they don't know what's right or wrong. They certainly don't see the Daleks as their leaders, but the Daleks view them as their slaves kind of thing and all hell just breaks loose and, you know, the, the Doctor just leaves them to to massacre themselves. This whole thing about, you know, the Doctor being struck by the lightning so his DNA is in those people. But, you know, it's because it's the Doctor, um, just the right amount of DNA, like he can control how much lightning striking him at any one point. And, you know, and I I just found that just that part of it. I just, I like the twist. Don't get me wrong. The idea of having that twist, but um, yeah, that just felt like a step too far for me. Just a tad. I must admit, I didn't, it didn't bother me at the time, but now you said that I'm thinking (laughs) actually it is a bit stupid. Um, No, I, I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't think it, when I watched it last night, I, I actually thought, oh, yeah, I get That's good. I, I actually, like you, I liked the twist because I couldn't work out why they had suddenly turned. And then when he reveals that, it's because he got struck in a bit. I thought, oh, right, okay, so that that explains that away. So it didn't bother me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, now you say it like that is a bit... Well, no, don't yeah, take away your enjoyment conven- of no, it. But it is, no, but it's convenient, isn't it? I know what you mean. It, it is part of the quick wrap-up that we get because... I do like the last sort of 10 minutes of this. I think it really starts to kick in to gear. You know, you've got all this Martha and the pig slaves and there's a good threat. And I really love the stuff in the theatre with the Daleks on the stage and the Doctors having a good old face-off with them. And you've got these strange sort of humanoid people with Dalek guns. I thought, oh, you know, some good stuff kicking off and and whatever. But it, it is, I suppose, the fact it gets wrapped up pretty quickly. I really hate the way that Dalek Kane... Dalek Khan, sorry, just teleports away as well. I thought that, again, was a bit lazy. Um, I mean, I like the fact he escapes, don't get me wrong, but he just teleports off. Well, why didn't the other two Daleks do that if it's that easy? Um, So, yeah, it's a a quick wrap-up. I totally get what you mean. But, uh, again, it didn't didn't bother me too much watching it last night. Oh, okay. No, it it was more just the convenience yeah, I get factor you. for me. It was like one of those. Oh, if only this, if only yeah. this would have would have happened, that would have solved the problem. Well, funny you mention that. Mm. That's exactly what I've done. Like, if only we had a hammer for this nail. Well, here's a hammer for you. <laughs> and also yeah. the bit with the Sonic. I mean, it's a really silly thing to pick up on, but <laughs> the Doctor drops the Sonic over the edge of the, you know, the building, and Martha just brings it back up i'm like what (laughs) where did that land like it falls all the way down and she's like oh by the way we found your sonic 
You know what I mean? So it's, it's yeah. convenience, but again, it's not something. Oh, if you don't look into it too much, yeah, exactly. It won't bother you. Yeah. But it's just yeah. yeah. Oh, here's your Sonic. You dropped. So we, yeah, yeah. Let's talk characters, dude. Mm-hmm. I think we've gone through the story stuff enough. Yeah. Uh, actually, no. Before we get into characters, um, I know we touched on look and feel. Look and feel wise, it wasn't too bad. No, it's all right. Like yeah. the establishing stuff was good. If, if the pace was not too bad, it had a decent mix of uh, a few action scenes, but it was also. Like you said at the beginning, actually, there were some nice moments where there was the Doctor and Martha having a chat or the Doctor, Martha and Tallulah, you know, some nice little moments throughout which were, which provided a nice mix of uh, slowing the pace down uh, mm-hmm. to have those bits, but then picking back up when, you know, a bunch of pigs turned up or whatever, or, you know, <laughs> it was all kicking off again and then it slowed down. So that was kind of cool. The editing, the production was quite good. It's just Direction. that CG just you can tell it's back in you know sort of mid 2000s yeah. mm. direction good uh direction uh not not too bad i would say not too bad oh, yeah i I, yeah. I think it was decent i mm. think he's trying to throw in some good sweeping shots he he really tries to keep the dalek scenes interesting uh, i noticed that because i think the set again i don't know there's a bit of budget thing the dalek set looks a bit well cobbled together which i know it's meant to be but it, it just you can just tell that's in a basement in probably some building in cardiff where they've put up these funny they look like big bee hives don't they behind mm-hmm. them and stuff um but yeah he keeps the camera moving a lot which i like which you know when there are sort of plodding scenes you kind of need that yeah um so i think he did a, a decent job just quickly going back to one of the scenes though mate you were saying there about certain scenes i love the bit when the doctor's this is like a little quiet moment where he's um, examining the the thing that he's found in the sewers, the Dalek oh, experimentation the, blob. The disgusting little brainy blob thing. Yeah, <laughs> the blob looks like a jellyfish. Um, and he, and I love that scene when he's like, he's got the code, isn't he? He's like, oh, I know that. Why do I know that? And that's, that's one of those, it's just one of those moments where I love David's Doctor is that he feels so much like the Doctor in those scenes. You know, the fact he's being the, the sort of, the clever side of him, you know, examining it. And then he remembers, doesn't he? He's like, that's Scaro. And then it's like, oh, OMG moment. And yeah, yeah those scenes, I just think are great. You know, that's cool, actually. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, you can tell this is a, a James Strong episode because there's a couple of others that look really similar in their direction. So Partners in Crime. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's got a very similar feel in terms of how it looks visually. And um, Voyage of the Damned. So those those three in a block, so this two-parter, Voyage mm. of the Damned and Partners in Crime. He did go on to do Planet of the Dead as well, but that's that has got a different feel to it, in my opinion. But these three, yeah. they all have a very similar feel as you're watching them, but not too bad, not too bad at all. Yeah. Uh, what do you think to Tallulah then, played by Miranda Rayson? Well, I, I I totally get what she's going for. I just found her a bit annoying, really. It's probably more the way she's written, though. It's not really the performance I don't like. I think she was quite good in the part, but it's just the character is a bit annoying. <laughs> but then the Doctor gets annoyed for her as well. Like, when she wants to follow him, he's like, I said, no, go get back up. You're not coming with me, sort of thing. Um, yeah, I don't dislike her. I, like, I, kind of, I kind of buy into the whole Tallulah Laszlo thing, just enough to care. Um yeah, I, I think it was an all right performance, but yeah, the character does get a bit annoying. It's more the voice than anything, though. You know, I like the bit yeah. where she's got the gun and 
the doctor's like, can we put that away now? And she just laughs. Says, oh, it's all right. So it's just a toy anyway. And, you know, there are a couple of good scenes. But I feel like there should have been more chemistry between Tallulah and Martha, though. Because we get a couple of scenes where they have to work together and when they have these nice little sort of girly chats. And I thought, you know, they, they could have built up that relationship to be quite sweet. But it feels very wooden, really. Mm, There's yeah, not really much yeah. between them, is there? No, Rija. Yeah. yeah. She's a really talented voice actor, though. So it's surprising that the accent doesn't ring a bit truer because oh, she's right. done like so, like so many voiceovers for, for TV and video games and documentaries and all sorts. Yeah, she's really, mm. really good voice actor as well as an actress on screen. So, but yeah, it's just the accent, whiny. isn't it? Yeah, it's just a bit. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, dude. Yeah, it's um, as a performance, it's okay, but it's just the accent that just pierces your brain. <laughs> makes it rattle and you're just like oh god i'm glad she's not in it any more than she is let's put it that way i think she's in it just enough not to get excruciating yeah, yeah. from one terrible accent to another <laughs> uh laszlo then played by ryan Combs. <laughs> <laughs> poor old laszlo <laughs> I, I don't mind him actually yeah i know accent aside uh I thought it was a, a, a nice performance from him. I think acting-wise it was all right because he's got that blimmin' pig nose on from most of the stories. <laughs> and the teeth as well. It looks really uncomfortable, the, the prosthetics. Um, I don't know if they were, but they certainly look it. You know, the big teeth he's got at the front sticking yes. out. Um, yep. Horrible. Um, I kind of felt sorry for Laszlo, to be honest. But mm. yeah, I thought the performance was all right. But, yeah, it's, it's just the accent, isn't it? Once again, it's just so off-putting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh, so we had uh, a very, um, uh, so I was very surprised when I first saw this. So this one, so the character Frank, the young lad who's, uh, who knocks around uh, with the, uh, we'll come on to that character in a second, the guy that's kind of running the Hooverville area, mm-hmm. uh, played by a, a fairly young Andrew Garfield, who went on obviously to be Spider-Man, yeah, which is know, a crazy, yeah. crazy uh, career progression from this. I don't think it was that... It was that long after, was it? So uh, nice. this was 2007, and then Spider-Man was 2012. So okay. It was only a few oh, years. Well. Yeah, hmm. so he, he, he jumped up pretty pretty swiftly. Yeah, so um, what do you think to Frank then? Another. So his accent was slightly different. He had a Southern accent rather mm-hmm. than a New York typical uh, uh, accent. But it was okay, actually. I didn't mind uh, Andrew Garfield on this one. He was, he was pretty good. Yeah, he is good. Um, I think the the problem is I I often forget he's in it. So it's always like when he pops up on screen, I'm like, oh, it's, it's Spider-Man. It's Andrew Garfield. So it doesn't stand out, I don't think. That's the problem. The character, I mean, there's nothing wrong with his performance, his accent, probably better than some of them in it. Um, it but the character of Frank, again, I think could have been written up. And again, you feel like there could have been more between him and Martha, like... It could have been some good scenes between those two. I, I feel he's a bit wasted as a character, Frank, because I, I feel like there's potential there, not just because it's Andrew Garfield. We, we know he's a great actor. But, um, yeah, I wish I just wish we'd had a bit more from the character of Frank. But I think Andrew Garfield does great with what he's given. I think he's, he's good in the scenes he does, and um, his accent's passable. Yeah. I mean, he, when he's Spider-Man, he's got to do the American accent, hasn't he? Not Southern, obviously. But. Not Southern, yeah. I mean, he does that really well in Spider-Man, I must admit. He does, yeah. 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 Yes. Yep. But he was all right. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's always just good to see him. I love it when he pops up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yep. Spidey. On Spidey, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so there was another character called Solomon, which was played by uh, Hugh Quashy. Yeah, uh, now I recognise him from lots of things. Loads of things, yeah. He's very, very established TV actor. He's been around since yeah. the 70s, really. Oh, he was in Red Dwarf, mate, your favourite. Yeah, he was funny in that episode, actually, yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. so uh, Watch Rings Him, then. Another American accent. Not too bad, that one, actually. Kind of, kind of bought into that one. I thought he was one of the best, mm. better of the of the sort of supporting cast if you like i i felt like he was really into the script uh, in terms of his performance you know what i mean i felt like he was very much into the story i i i thought he gave a good performance and his accent again wasn't wasn't too bad um mm-hmm. and he, he yeah i think he takes what he's got on the page and i think he really sort of went for it so i i thought he was good i liked yeah. him in it and i liked the character i felt quite sad when he gets um, killed in episode two i was like no not solomon uh so again it showed that i cared about the character and yeah, yeah decent performance from him i thought yeah decent yeah and in terms he's only done a few films but his best film role was Ooh, film um captain panaka star wars the phantom menace oh right okay alongside cool. the princess armadala yes mm. Yeah, so he yeah, he's just right. one of those faces yeah. you recognise, don't you? You think, oh, I know him from other stuff. Yeah, he was good, yeah. He was good, yeah. And then what about um, the guy uh, The guy when he's not a Dalek? So the dude that's uh, the kind of businessman, bit of a mob guy. Yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Diagoras, I think his name was, played by Eric Lauren. Uh, another, another accent, <laughs> which... Uh, not the worst one in this in the story, but not the best. Kind of, kind mm. of gets away with it just about. Uh, but Eric Lowen as the as the guy pre Dalek sec hybrid. I, I thought he was all right um, as the humanoid. You know, like before he gets transformed, he, he he is very close to being. I mean, he's a little bit over the top, isn't he? He's really close to being like pantomime villain. You know, he's yes. like, get down yeah. there and see the, uh, but I don't think he was too bad. I mean, it was, it was just on the edge for me of being a, a good performance to slightly go over the top. <laughs> um, it was, it was good enough to, to sort of think it was, it worked. Um, and I think he's quite good as hybrid sec because mm-hmm. he sort of plays, he, there is a real noticeable change in the character. He's not sort of playing it. Well, obviously it's got to be, but he manages to sw- sort of tone it down enough to be, like this strange mm-hmm. Dalek hybrid. So I think he was all right. Just as a little bit Dude. <laughs> hammy in the beginning, but I think the part kind of, that's, I think that's kind of what they were asking him to be, if you know what I mean. I yeah. think he's just playing what they've written on the page. So yeah, I thought he was all right. Fairly we, decent. I've made a bit of a faux pas with this one. All right. Yeah. When I was doing some research, it says that Eric Lowen is a London based television and film actor, blah, blah, blah. So I assumed that his accent was put on, but no, he's an American. Oh, he's really? a full-on American yeah, dude. Yeah, it's a really, but he sounds so put on. Exactly, that's weird, isn't it? He's um, yeah, he's from Boston, Massachusetts. He's uh, well, he's obviously ramping up the <laughs> the uh, American, isn't it? Because he does sound, but he's probably going for that a bit like Tallulah. He's going for that sort of twang to the accent, isn't he? Yeah, true. I assume, yeah. unless he really talks like that, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Uh, but he's another one that's uh, had a huge voiceover career. Okay, yeah. In terms of video games and other stuff, like loads, like from 2003. Any gamers that are listening, 
you know, he's did he's done the Tomb Raider games, um, the Battlefield games, Devil May Cry, Crisis, Ooh. Killzone, Star Wars Battlefront, the Tom Clancy Division games, Horizon Zero Dawn, the Lego games. He's done loads of um, oh, wow, like voiceover stuff. So, but what a what a way to describe his terrible accent. He's not even putting it on. I <laughs> know. Jesus, sorry, we, Eric. Larry? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. his performance was not bad. He was better as obviously the human for me. He wasn't. Oh, okay. When he was that's when interesting because I preferred him as Sec. Oh, do you know what it was with when he was Sec? It was more the um, it was more that kind of like when he was um, when he was uh, Mister Diagoras and he was he, he was just a bit of a hard ass, you know. He was a yeah. he was a bit of a he had some gumption about him. But when he was Dalek Sec, he kind of did this weird voice where gaps between words longer and not threatening at all so he when he was doing that i was like was oh, uncanny get on with it mate come on like yeah he's got a couple of lines and he's joined i can see why because the daleks have got that monotonous kind of the mm. way that they talk obviously that classic kind of thing going on uh, actually a little point of reference for um uh, for the dalek voices actually so when the rest of the cult of Scaro revolt, obviously, against Sec. Uh, Nick Briggs, as we know, the the guy, the go-to guy for the voice of the Daleks, mm-hmm. he changed his voice for Dalek Khan. So when Dalek Khan is in, you hear him in those little moments in the, in the previous parts of the story, he has this kind of deep, gravelly voice to him. Yeah. But then towards the end, especially when they start to revolt against Sec, his voice goes up to a higher pitch, uh, which is different, um, you know, more like a, a normal original tone for the Daleks. Mm. And that's because um, uh, old Nick Briggs kind of, I think there was a genuine reason he did say that his voice was just cacked at that point, you know, oh. because he was doing so much voice work in this one. So his his throat was a bit, you know, knackered and stuff. But then yeah. he also did say that the reason why he he took his voice up a up a notch in terms of higher tone. It's because that's when Dalek Khan starts to become the leader of the cult of Scaro. Oh, I see. So right. he changes his demeanour a little bit. He changes the way he talks to the other Daleks, and so he's got a bit more prominence about him. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Point of reference uh, for the Dalek tone. I must. I mean, Briggs is great as the Daleks. You know, I I I love the fact he comes back and always does the Dalek voice. That said, I would just love it if we had a couple of other people doing it as well, because it's great that they, you know, change the modulation to make him sound different when he's different Daleks. But you still kind of get Briggs's voice, I think, because you're so familiar with it now. And when I watch older Doctor Who's where they had, they always used to have at least two or three different people doing the Dalek voices. I much prefer it. I just would love to hear because no matter how much you treat a voice, you will always get something about the person's voice will come through. Mm-hmm. And it and, and it doesn't matter what Briggs does to change the modulation, it, it may make it sound like a different Dalek. You're still kind of aware that it's Nicholas Briggs. So I would as much as I love him as Daleks, I think he does a great job. I would love to hear like a couple of other people doing it with him. So him to be mm. like the main Dalek and but maybe have just a couple of other people doing the voice because it would just add a different variation to it. I'm always so aware that it's him doing other voices. Maybe that's just because I know it's him doing other voices. I don't know. But I just wish we could get a slightly different sound 
to the Daleks sometimes. Because I, I, in my head, I'm just always aware that even if they've changed the tone or whatever, that it's Briggs doing it. I just want to hear somebody else do the Daleks with him. Yeah. Not replace yeah. him, but just love to hear a variation. Uh, yeah, true. Different people doing yeah. it. You know, like Roy Skelton used to do it. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. People like that. So, I mean, I know we, no, I'm not saying get them to do it, but, you know, just get somebody else to have a go. Like, yeah, yeah I just see them sort of fighting to get the, the microphone out of Briggs's hand. Like, let let me have a go. No, I'm doing the voices. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a monopoly. Yeah, he has, yeah. He's probably yeah. got it in his contract. It's him and him alone. Because he does he does all the voices on Big Finish, I think. I don't don't think any does anybody else do the Daleks on Big Finish? Don't think so. Not that I'm aware no. of, no. Let someone else have a go, Nick. Yeah. He doesn't want to let go. <laughs> Nick, did you hear that uh there's a Dalek story coming up in the next series that's already been filmed and done? Just give me a minute. Yeah, I've got Nick Briggs on the phone. <laughs> he would go ballistic he'd go ballistic wouldn't he yeah and as I said nothing gets Nick I think he's brilliant as the Daleks but I just would like to hear a different variation for now and again yeah Chibbers is like look Nick you're not exclusive or imagine if he did you know we can hire anybody to to voice this you just hear like tyres screeching (laughs) like the phone just hanging (laughs) off the end of the desk and he's burnt off to the BBC office yeah the the studio's mysteriously burned down overnight I'll learn you I'll learn you. <laughs> Anything else you want to mention, dude, before we whack a score on this one? Just very briefly, um, the, the pig slaves. I just wanted to ask you, because you get the pig slaves, you get the humans with the Dalek guns. It, I just keep thinking, what's wrong with the Robermen? Why, <laughs> why haven't they got some Robermen running around? But what do you think to like the whole pig slave thing? Not so much the human thing, because that's at the end. But what do you think of the pig slaves? Like, would Robomen have been better, or is it interesting to have something different? No, I think the Robomen, they moved too slow. They talk exactly. Varies. Yeah, I I think it, it's a nice change. Um, I don't quite get the whole pig pig slave thing, but somehow for me it worked okay. And I think it is nice to have something different than the Robomen. But it's weird. I do keep expecting, like, a Roboman to pop up. <laughs> Yeah, I'll read you. It's, uh, um, I don't mind them. Uh, they're pretty creepy in some of the seats. Like, you know, the bit in the forest where they're running towards the camera and again, oh, yeah, good direction. Yeah. Direction. You know, there's some good, good bits. That's what I mean. They were scarier than I remember them. I think yeah. if I just say pig slave, I just think, oh God, but they're, they're not too, too bad. Yeah. You can, you can see the idea. I think, uh, I think somebody asks somebody, that doesn't help. I know. Somebody asks somebody in the episode what's going to happen to them. And I think I think it might have been Dalek Sec when he's hybrid, actually. I think he just says, look, they're, they have a limited lifespan. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They were created just as like short-term lackeys kind of thing, just to carry out what we need them to do. And they'll just naturally die, you know, fairly soon. Yeah. So quite dark in that respect, but they're okay. Yeah, I don't mind them. Yes. There was another story with Doctor Who. Much later on, where there was a pig legging around. Um, well, there the was beginning. the Ninth Doctor one, where no. they got a the little pig in the spacesuit. Oh, was it that one? Are you thinking of that? Yeah, it might have been, actually, yeah. You only see it for like a split second, yeah. You know, at the beginning, where they operate on it, or they go to yeah, operate yeah, on it. it. Oh, was yeah, that Eccleston, was it? That's Eccleston, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's one? the one in London, isn't it? Um, the Slovene two-parter, isn't it? Because that's uh, Tosh. 
Tosh is in is the one operating on it, isn't she? Yes. Yeah, you're right, mate. Yeah. What was that yeah, one then? What was it called? Um, Aliens of London, isn't it? Aliens of London. Was that the one? And World War Three. Crikey, that's been a while since I've watched that. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's as you you actually see it on screen for a, like less than a second. I I think I think God that they put all that effort into that costume and it's hardly on screen. Yeah. Mm. Oh, because they have the uh, the crash, don't they, at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah you right, should go yeah. back and watch that one. Yeah, yeah so I might give that a watch, dude. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, pig pig slaves, don't mind them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, right, scores on the doors. I think it's me to go first. You go first. So I'm going to give be low, isn't it? Young. Well, not that long. You a six point five. Oh, it's not too bad. That's not too bad. Not too bad. So not a five. It's not indifferent. Um, but it's just yeah, I found it a bit bored. I'm not going to go into it again. But yeah, a little bit bored. Yeah. Not enough going on in part one. Uh, Cult of Scarrow should have been utilised a bit better, should have been a bit scarier. Yep. Yeah, I'm a bit stuck on my score, mate, because I've put 7.5, which to me feels a bit low considering how much I liked it, but if I, I don't really feel it's good enough for an 8. Like, if I give something an 8, that's normally, it's really good. So um, I think I'll stick with 7.5. Uh, 7.5. Yeah, because yeah, I have a feeling if I was to rewatch that, that's the score I would give it. Right. Um, I think I was just pleasantly surprised last night, if you know what I mean. I, I liked it more than I thought I would. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll go with 7.5. Cool, cool. All righty. So, 6.5 for me, then 7.5 for me. And what did our listeners think? We had we had six audio reviews in. So, thank you very Ooh, much, guys, for nice. taking time to do that. We're going to kick straight off. This is Sammy from Down Under. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, Daleks in Manhattan, Evolution of the Daleks. I love this story. I know some people don't. And yes, it does have its flaws, but it also contains a conversation between two Daleks from the cult of Skara about Dalek sect, something that rarely happens in Doctor Who, let alone New Who. A continuation from the last Dalek story, where we meet the cult of Skara, Doomsday, and establishes what happened after the emergency temporal shift. It's also a Dalek story about four Daleks, and they have a plan. I like that they are experimenting, thinking, and scheming. I like Frank, Solomon, Tallulah, Laszlo, and the fact you get a sense of this world and how it works. Mr. Dalgross isn't too bad either. I also like the song Tallulah sings, My Angel Put the Devil in Me. Also, Miranda Raison went on to play the sixth Doctor, Big Finish companion, Constance Clark. I give it 10 Tallulahs out of 10. See ya. A 10. Crikey, Sammy. A 10. Laying down the info. And a 10, yeah. Wow. I didn't know Sammy liked this one so much. That's good. That's cool. Yeah. You didn't tell us why you liked it, Sammy. (laughs) (laughs) That was a little mini wiki, a little mini Wikipedia of what happened in other stuff. Your knowledge astounds me, Sammy. (laughs) But a 10, you must have enjoyed it. She loved it. it. Thank you very much, Sammy. A 10. Moving on, this is Mr. Joe Turner. This story was a very ambitious one for the time, considering the fact that probably none of it was actually filmed in America. The production team did an incredible job creating the aesthetic of 1930s America, even if the CGI is ropey at times. There is a lot of rather grotesque moments too, with the brain on the floor and Mr. Digoras getting absorbed by Dalek's sick. And there is some, and there is something really sinister about Daleks in the sewer. Mario's on fire, firstly with My Angel Put the Devil in Me, which is a fantastic jazzy original song, and Evolution of the Daleks, an underrated Dalek theme. On the whole, the supporting cast is good, but there is some dodgy American accents, and it's good to see the cult of Scarrow again. 
The idea of a human Dalek is fantastic and acts as a great cliffhanger to part one. It's interesting to see the Daleks go against their own leader and there's some fantastic action sequences between the people of Hooverville and the pigs who are fighting alongside the Daleks. The practical effects team must have loved part two. It was a shame to see Solomon get shot by one of the Daleks as I enjoyed his character. Tennant is firing on all cylinders throughout this two-parter. And the final moments of this episode are fantastic. It's shocking to see Dalek Sec accidentally get shot by one of the cult, but it's great to see the Dalek Tommy guns destroy a couple of Daleks. One Dalek escapes, Tennant does a hell of a lot of screaming on top of the Empire State Building, and the direction is absolutely immense, and the ending emotional. Oh yeah, and a certain Andrew Garfield is in this episode, so I guess the real question is, is he coming back to Doctor Who, not is he in no way home? So overall, I'm going to give this episode an 8.5 out of 10. Thank you. 8.5, yeah, decent score. Yeah, 8.5, yeah, the directing is immense. We've got Andrew on the phone. Are you coming back? No, uh, he's know. in the new Spider-Man, but don't tell anyone. Yeah, but don't, <laughs> but don't tell anyone. Don't tell the world that already knows that he's in the new Spider-Man. Yeah. And 8.5, it's not a bad score at all. No. Better than Adam's score anyway. Yeah. Yeah, cheapskate. Right, moving on. Thank you very much, Joe. Moving on, this is uh, TARDISNet66, a.k.a. Will. Let's do it. Daleks in Manhattan, Evolution Daleks, is my opinion, one of the worst of the Tenth Doctor era, which is a shame because it's very consistent overall. It has its highlights on its commentary on the Great Depression and the nature of capitalism at the expense of the poverty of others, but it all kind of sizzles out. The American accents are nothing but grating, and I really dislike the guest cast, particularly to Lula, who is just useless, and I don't like her relationship with Laszlo. The pig snakes lack any kind of scares as henchmen, and would work much better as robomen. The concept and performance of the human Dalek is also clunky and ridiculous. The story has some interesting concepts, but you really need to be careful with the Daleks steering away from their ideology, and for me, their decisions in this and the nature of Dalek Sec don't feel believable or justified that Dalek Sec would make these decisions, so add a character for a Dalek without some serious genetic tampering or life-altering experience. I'd give it a 3 out of 10. Three. Oh, a three. Crikey three. Moses, Will. Not a fan of this one. No. I can kind of see I'm some g- of your points there. I, oh, can, I can see. Actually. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Joking aside. Yeah, I do, do yeah. get what you're saying. Just not feeling it, though. Mm. That's fair enough, dude. Thank you very much for your review anyways. Moving on, this is Mr. Lewis Palmer. Hello, guys. Uh, Daleks in Manhattan was the first Doctor Who story I ever watched, and... It's very hard to try and objectively critique um, a piece of media which changed the course of my life. Um, Without this story, I wouldn't have half the friends I know now. My my entire life would be different. And obviously, it's much derided. It's a much derided story. It's not without its flaws. And I think I'm mature enough to be able to recognise that it has its flaws. Um, Part two isn't as good as part one. The pig slaves don't really seem to link to anything. But I cannot take away from this the nostalgia connected to it the the happy memories the sentimentality um the fact that it did change the course of my life um i watch it and just so many happy memories come flooding back i loved it as a five-year-old and i love it as a nearly 20 year old um plus andrew garfield's in it captain panaka's in it from the phantom menace and any story that has the guts to pull out a big broadway musical number halfway through it gets a lot of respect from me. So, um, yeah, lots of happy memories surrounding this one. My first Doctor Who story. I'll see you next time, guys. That's cool. 
That's lovely, actually. Yeah, it's always nice to hear when, you know, somebody's first experience of Doc 2, their first story and everything. So, yeah, it's great, Lewis. Yeah, and there's something very cool about having that distinction between not being clouded by nostalgia Mm. or good feelings and actually being able to, um, like Lewis said, you know, sometimes it's difficult to objectively land criticism on something when you've got such fond memories, like your memories are more fond than what you're watching, if that makes sense. You can see yeah, past no, that, yeah. that stuff. So can completely see where you're coming from with that, Lewis. So that's really cool, man. It's cool that uh, uh, this is one of your faves because it's one of... Did you say it was the first one? Did Lewis say that, that he watched? First one he saw, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Thank you very much, Lewis. Very cool. Moving on, this is Mr. Neil Campbell. Hi, guys. How's it going? So this story, it often gets absolutely battered, but... I'm often of the opinion I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as some people make it out to be. I mean, I think it's all right. I'm not going to sit here and say it's an absolute bona fide classic, but I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as, you know, what some people would lead you to believe. Like, um, I think the, the concept of it is actually a good idea. Just maybe the execution of it isn't exactly what it should be. Um, I mean, looking back, I think Dalek Zek, you know, in the human form is a bit dated looking and does look a bit silly. And on top of that as well, the CGI hasn't aged particularly well because they're clearly not in New York. Um, but I actually, I, I don't mind it as, I mean, it, it would have got to a stage in Doctor Who where a lot of Dalek stories are very similar. And this here, it's kind of different. And just because it's so different, people don't like it. But I don't think it's that bad. And like I said before, I, I love Series 3. Absolutely love it. Um, and there's some great theme tunes, you know, and, and orchestrations and stuff throughout this story as well. So, yeah, and David Tennant, David Tennant, you know, he's absolutely brilliant. I like Freeman as Martha and obviously the future Spider-Man in there too. But I don't think it's that bad at all. So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Cheers. Seven. seven. Yeah, seven. <laughs> I agree about the music. It's really made me want to um, dig out the Series 3 soundtrack, actually. Give that a listen. Yeah, it's a cool... Do you know what, dude? Series three and four. Three and four, I've yeah. I've got such amazing soundtracks from Gold. I mean, the first, there's some absolutely beautiful stuff in the uh, Eccleston series, especially Rose's theme and some other bits and pieces. Yeah, Father's Day theme, Exactly, yeah. yeah. But for some reason, series three and four, you can just listen to them back to back and it's just an up and down... Uh, yeah, it's just really, really cool soundtracks, those. Mm. And uh, yeah, Neil's like, this one gets absolutely battered, but you know what? I quite like it. So yeah, fair play, Neil. Cheers, Neil. Uh, cheers very much, Neil. Uh, last one, this is Toby Coleman. One and one and one is three. My bad, bad angel put the devil in me. Okay, here's my review for the Series 3 Dalek Parter. Now, this story is possibly the first story I remember watching live, as the ending is very vivid in my memory. I personally really like it, and I don't mind the the whole human dark thing, or even the look of dark sec. Well, the human dark sec. Tennant and Adjaman give amazing performances, especially Tennant in the scene where he has to confront the darks in Hooverville. I love the supporting cast, and I find that the desire of the pig slaves are quite creepy. I love how it just ties all these different concepts of the poverty of the Great Depression, and the fate that beholds Diagoras, is hard to watch. Um, I would give this episode 7.5 human Daleks as out of 10. 7.5. Same as me. Good Same score. Same as you, yeah. 
Yeah. Didn't even hear your score to copy either. That was a genuine, <laughs> a genuine 7.5. Thank you very much, Toby. Much appreciated as uh, all of our uh, guys that took the time out to the audio view. So Sammy, Joe, Will, Lewis, Neil and Toby, thank you very much for uh, for sending your audio clips in. It's much appreciated. Uh, moving on to the socials then over on Twitter our writer Jordan Shortman says as a kid I remember enjoying this one as an adult I'm not so sure it stands up it loses itself in the second episode the human dialect looks very rude uh, I was quite <laughs> glad they got rid of the cult of Scaro at the end of this story oh don't, not a fan that's of the just, old cult then that's just your filthy mind Jordan yeah Jordan we never even thought that did we Gary not at all not once no <laughs> Chippy T says never liked the the cop-out of Daleks surviving by emergency temporal shifts. Uh, just say they were locked down and missed the mass destruction of their race. It's all a bit silly, really. If the Daleks can fly unseen to wipe out Hooverville, why not do it? Uh, why not do a bit of empire welding? 5.5 5 from Chippy T. Not impressed. Oh dear. Yep. Not impressed. Doctor Who Home says, an underrated classic. I love how this story continues to explore how the Daleks survive and plan on surviving in post-Time War times. Tennant is on fire here, and it's got so many great characters. The Pig Slaves, Frank, Solomon, and of course, the iconic Laszlo. I love it. Nine out of ten. Nine? Cool. Nice. Edward Gillooly says, Not as bad as I originally thought, but not a classic. The idea of Daleks in NYC is a good one, but the human Dalek idea doesn't quite work. Six out of ten. Mm-hmm. and okay. sarah louise a running whovian says i enjoyed this two-parter it was easy viewing with an interesting storyline and characters some elements seemed a little far-fetched and weren't completely convincing but overall i thought it was a pleasant watch seven out of ten mm, right okay indeedy and then over on facebook just a few over there so andrew stewart says story has a great uh, a lot of great ideas for the first time in a while made the daleks quite scary however it was too much to cram into a two-part story i could easily watch it but there would be other stories I would choose above this one. And then uh, Andrew goes on to give it uh, 7.5 for Daleks in Manhattan and a 5 out of 10 for Evolution of the Daleks. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. Uh, one of our writers, Harry, says, I remember the cliffhanger to this one scaring the absolute crap out of a six-year-old self, my six-year-old self. The human Dalek sec hybrid is horrific. Really made me uh, really well-made makeup. Uh, there's some good ideas in this underrated story nice to see spidey swinging by too i'd give it eight devils in me out of ten <laughs> cool charlie turner says the weakest of the rtd era dalek stories mm. but with a few good ideas here and there despite feeling a bit like uh the mostly lost trout and story the evil of the daleks mm. with a humanized dalek concept yes Yes, now that the animation for that story is officially happening, then I can only hope that the humanised Dalek concept is done better than rather it is here. Uh, not an awful story, though, as it's still plenty good watching, uh, but you have to be in the right mood. Eight out of ten. Too true, yeah. Definitely have to be in the right mood. Indeedy. And lastly, Jeff Waddle. Now, Jeff is normally quite critical when he needs to be, but also praises when praise is due. Mm. So Jeff, and this is a praise one, so... Well done, Jeff. He says a car crash of a story (laughs) with its core concept being a human is absorbed into a Dalek and comes out as a hybrid fully suited. (laughs) When you think about that, it's hardly any wonder the rest of the story is all over the place. It was a good idea to have the Daleks return to their purpose of scientists, but it could slash should have been handled better than this. And they all seem to accomplish and all they seem to accomplish is pigmen. When if they wanted slaves, surely the Robo-Men 
would have been an easier option. Bizarre choices all round, two out of ten. Two, so Jeff loved it. Jeff loved it. I knew he yeah. would. We knew Jeff would love this one. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. So that's the socials. Thank you very much, everybody, for getting in touch. Love hearing what you guys think. I think a bit hit and miss this one, dude. It's a real mixed bag, actually. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. A bit. Uh, next week, then, what have we got? Yeah. Oh, can you believe it? We're finally at the end of Series 2 of Torchwood next Ray. week. With, uh, yes, we've made it uh, with the story Exit Wounds. So we'll be finishing up torchwood series two yeah i hope it's a good one after last week oh yeah so he's back is it uh, captain john hart isn't it he's back yeah he's back yeah yeah he's got captain jack's brother hostage and the stuff is about to hit the fan that's it yeah we'll see what happens so yeah exit wins next week cool, cool. all right dude let's wrap there for episode 324 all righty <laughs> Thank you, thank you very much for listening to episode 324 of the Big Blue Box podcast. It's been lovely to have you here as we've chatted all things Doctor Who and reviewed the 10th Doctor two-parter, Daleks in Manhattan, Evolution of the Daleks. Thank you very much to those of you that sent in your reviews and whatnot. It's great to hear from you as always. Next week, as Adam said, we are over on Torchwood to finish up, finally, series two with the episode Exit Wounds. So get your Blu-rays or DVDs out. Uh, Torchwood is still on iPlayer here in the UK anyway so get that watched as we'll be asking for your thoughts as always in the meantime remember to make sure that you follow our show on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify Google Podcasts Amazon Music um, over on Stitcher anything like that make sure you, you follow us so that you won't miss a show when they land every single Friday and if you've got a minute to leave a review, and that is on something like Apple Apple Podcasts or Podchaser.com, those kind of things, if you've got a minute to leave a review, that would be amazing because that helps us out loads and loads if you like the show. And uh, thank you to those, those of you that have left very kind words for us on those reviews. It's uh, much appreciated. Also, head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all the episodes on there as well, all for free. Go and check those out. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, there are links on the website or just search for us in those apps we chat doctor who over there throughout the week and post little tidbits and uh, chat with the community and stuff so come and give us a a like and a follow if you don't already Uh, also check out the reviews articles and all that stuff on the website we have a very cool writing team very very talented bunch of guys there putting out their thoughts and reviews on doctor who and we have a free discord server as well I'm going to have to put all this stuff in a pre-recorded thing, I think. <laughs> no, you do it well. Uh, we have a free Discord server as well. Uh, it's free to sign up. Come and chat Doctor Who over there. Loads of very cool people there. Uh, come and get your Doctor Who on and chat that stuff. Also, check out my co-host channel over on YouTube. It is, of course, The Geek's Handbag. Indeed, yeah. Lots of videos await you on my YouTube channel and uh, I'm also on all the socials. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter but not TikTok. (laughs) So go and check out Adam's stuff. Loads of cool bits and bobs over there. Until next time, my name's Gary. (laughs) My name's Adam. And remember, Hey, Hey. 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 Hey.